Blog Talk Radio. I always wait for that Blog Talk Radio. I used to start before I heard that, and then it come in and cut me off when I was talking. So good morning, good morning. This is our first Saturday in June off the shelf, listeners, and our listeners are starting to increase. And I don't know, running, running marketing and different things. So, but we have our loyal listeners who've been with us for going on 13 years, and I always like to acknowledge our loyal listeners and thank them because that's a long, long time. Uh, So welcome to everybody, whether this is your first time listening to Off the Shelf, and I hope you bookmark it, if it is, so you can keep up with the wonderful guests that we will continue to bring to you, such as today's guest who's waiting in the wings. And I want to welcome you again to this Saturday, June the 3rd, off the shelf, and you are, you came to the right place. You are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show right now. I want to want to drop this, uh, I like to start the show with a quote, and so today's quote is by Carol Burnett, and the quote is, only I can change my life, no one can do it for me, only I can change my life, no one can do it for me. Next next off-the-shelf listeners, I hope you give that some thought, actually, if there's something in your life that you're not happy with and you want to change, not to wait for someone else to do it for you because they can't, or it's just something magical to happen. You have to start taking the steps to implement that change. Uh, to our listeners here, I want to ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you good at finding out who did it. I, lo- I love to watch Columbo, but in Columbo they tell you at the beginning who did it, and then you get to watch Columbo figure it out. But on the shows where you don't know who did it, you just know what happened. If you like to try to figure it out, you pay attention to the characters, their motives, how they seem, and you're like, oh, I know just just what happened, you would love Love Pour Over Me. Another reason you would love Love Pour Over Me is if you value relationships, not just ro- romantic relationships, because there is a soulmate relationship in Love Pour Over Me, but there's a very complicated relationship between a father and a son, and then the, this guy, Raymond, he has four friends that he meets in college, and actually one of them gets caught up in the murder mystery if if th- these are the types of things that you value, again, relationships and mystery, I really encourage you to get a copy of my latest book, Love for Over Me. If you don't see it's an e-book and in print. If you don't see it on the shelves, all you have to do is ask the clerk at, at, at a bookstore that you want to get a copy of Love for Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can special order it for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And I do hope that you'll go out and get a copy. Again, Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go and meet today's special, special off-the-shelf guest. And our guest I, I came across from someone who I used to write book reviews for a newspaper out of Michigan in the past, so I'm really grateful and appreciative uh, to have crossed her path. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Londa's Lane, and if I'm saying her name, last name wrong, I hope Felicia will correct me, but Londa's is a Brown Girls Books author. Now, Brown Girls Books is a company owned by best-selling authors Rashonda Tate Billingsley, and some of you may have heard of these ladies, and Victoria Christopher Murray, and they both they both are, are well known, especially uh, uh, I, I don't know if Victoria started out as an independent author, but they really 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 took great strides forward. Now, Londis is the author of the book Baby's Daddy, da- Daddy's Baby. She's the author of the book Daddy's Baby, and she's an avid reader. She loves romance and mystery novels. She's a Michigan State University graduate. She, where she earned a law degree. In addition to writing books, Londa she she teaches writing to first year. She teaches writing to first year writing students. So she knows she knows her stuff. And some of her passions include books, writing, of course, sports, theater, and dance. And we're so happy to have Londa's land here with us on Off the Shelf. Well, I have to tell you guys, if you if you Go and check her out online. I'm going to ask her if she has a direct 
website URL. I found her information through the Brown Girls Books website. But you, as soon as you see her picture, as soon as you, she comes up, she has a very beautiful, bright spirit. It's going to come through just as clear. Thank you. It'll come through right away. So uh, we want to ask her once she, once we, she comes on for her, if she has a, a direct website URL so we can share it here on Off the Shelf. But welcome, welcome, welcome to Off the Shelf, Londis. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel like I, I'm so pleased by that introduction. I'm just so honored. I was like, who is she talking about? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed with myself. <laughs> uh, there you go. Do you have a website that goes, uh, a URL that goes directly into your books, your bio, et cetera? It's uh, LondasLane.com, and uh, it's actually in, it's, it's being constructed, but it, it is up. And so uh, we're working on that. You can go to Brown Girl Books, where I am, and also just pull up my name, Landis, L-A-N-D-I-S, Lane, L-A-I-N. I will come up, and you will be able to get to me directly. Yes, and Amazon.com, BarnesandNobles.com, Kubo, it, yeah, all over. It's impr- it's 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 building up. Um, building, I've built quite a following, and I am so pleased by that. Oh, what a blessing! So again, to our listeners, it's Londis Lane, and that's L L as I like L A N D I S L A I N dot com. And for our listeners, we get a lot of listeners in our archives. L A N D I S L A I N dot com. So it's the first and last name dot com. Londis. L-A-N-D-I-S-L-A-I-N.com. If you're, for those listening now, you can pop over to her website now and learn more about her, see her and her book, her the cover of her book. Even as you listen to her expand and share more about herself and her writings and Daddy's Baby right here today on Off the Shelf. It is such a pleasure to have you here with us this morning, Londis. Before we go, these are the first intro questions I'm going to ask you, the first few I ask every guest. Rather, so rather than just launching right into the show, I'd like to give our listeners a little backstory on our guests so they get to know the, the author a little bit before we start talking about their books and their writing. So before we go into today's questions, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, I hail from Detroit, Michigan. Go Detroit! And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I grew up in a, a wonderful home with a wonderful parents, wonderful grandparents. Uh, my life mostly was. I, I started out. At my my most most vivid childhood memory is, of course, the uh, '67 riots with the military vehicles rolling down Gratiot Avenue. Wow. And on the floor to avoid sniper fire. So my family was wonderful, but Detroit was very turbulent when I was growing up. Uh, my second memory, I think, is of going to the Shrine of the Black Madonna, which was the first black bookstore I had ever been into, and it opened so many doors because, um, you know, when you go into a regular store, you don't see black faces on dials, you don't see black faces on books every week, and we were allowed to purchase a book. So that was a huge thing for us. We'd go to the Easter Market at the Open Air Market to shop, and then the next thing we'd do is go to the Shrine of the Black Madonna to get our books for the week. And we had to read it and, and do a report. So that was a lot of what my childhood was like. Oh, okay. So read, you uh, – Reading. Reading okay. was huge. My grandmother made me read the funnies to her every Sunday after church. So, yes, reading was huge. I can I can see that right now. You know, Detroit is coming back. A lot of people yes, are, are starting to invest in Detroit, and I'm told it, it is coming back, and that is so good, so good to hear, although I've never been to Detroit, but that is it's so good to hear. I'm hearing very good things about the city. But somebody encouraged you from day one to really literature, literacy, reading. So that was like your from your foundation, but what did you dream of becoming? So you went to the library, et cetera, but what did you dream of yeah. becoming when you were a kid? When you when you were a kid, what did you say? This is what I want to be when I grow up. I dreamed of becoming a writer, and I wanted to oh. be a famous writer. 
<laughs> and uh, my mom told me that writers starve, so I should get a real job and still write, and that's what I did. So I, I got a real job as a lawyer, which was really awesome for my talents. Cause my, and I wanted to, you know, please my family and make sure that I did something. Uh, my grandmother would always say, you know, be a credit to your to your family and to your race and to the human race. And so I became a lawyer, and which helped me with my talents. It helped me develop my writing talents. It helped me develop a thick skin. And uh, then I decided, oh, well, let me just try out my creative writing. And I did. Uh, you know, through college I wrote, uh, through law school I wrote, through my, you know, having children, everything. I wrote. Uh, and now I like to share it with people. Wow. That that you always knew you wanted to be a writer. You are one of the few guests we've had on who who actually said that a lot of people stumbled stumbled into writing. So when you knew you wanted to be a writer, you that was from maybe six, seven years old and then your family yes. told you when you look back, I I just I wanna ask you this, how we step into our our destiny, what what it is we're, we're meant to do here. When you look back, and your mom said, you know, writers, that's not you need you gonna have, you got bills to pay, honey. <laughs> yeah, the book thing <laughs> might not be the route. Do you when you look back on that, and do you think that was the right thing to do? And and I'll tell you later why I'm asking that. But do you do you think yeah that that was the right choice? I, you know, I do think it was because the law is fabulous, and I, and I learned so much, and I was able to help so many people in my career as a writer. You know, and I still am a lawyer. I still, uh, I'm an administrative law judge, so I still do practice. But and if people need me, you know, I'm available to assist people. So I think that the more you develop your skill set, the more uh, you, ha- the more life experiences you have, the more stories you have to tell. So yes, for me, it was the right decision, and I didn't take it so much as discouragement, but rather as reality. Because there's a lot of writers out there, and it is hard to get out there and make a living at just writing. Uh, you know, it, 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 a lot of times it's serendipitous. It's who you know. It's it's where you go how much time you have to put into it. And I think as a writer, uh, you don't necessarily have to be published to be a writer. You just write. Ah, so so for you it wasn't, and then as a child too, because when we're kids we don't have to pay bills. It wasn't so much right. about selling. It was just just do the process of, 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 of writing. And then as you get older, the reason I ask that, uh, before we go further into your books and your and your writing is mm-hmm. what I have found is it can be difficult at times to have a split decision or almost like you're trying to go in two directions at one time. And I'm speaking from personal experience. So you're, you've got this job going, and that's going to chew up a lot of your time and your focus. There's just no way you, you it it has to. And then there's a that, yes. that split where you're going after what you really, really want to do. Now, some people pull up all the stakes. I'm thinking of Billy Joe. I read his autobiography. I think for a while he slept in a laundromat before his music career took off. I mean, you're taking a risk because you don't have right. anything that says this is going to work. So you could end up with nothing, or it right. could pop off like it did for him but he was at least able to focus all his energy on his music. And when you do something else, I just find, for me, it, it's you've got this split attention. It's always divided. Yes. You can't, like, put it off. So that's the only thing. For all listeners who may be young or they still have, you got a spouse who's got paying the bills, maybe you have to pull back for a while a little bit. I know people who have done that. Right. Or you still living at home? I would go for more. My heart saying full tilt boogie. I I really would, and I mean yep. put it all in, like you putting in maybe twelve to fourteen hours a day. Just f- don't don't focus on how many books am I selling or whatever it is you're going after. Just keep what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? What type of result is what I'm doing? Don't focus on the sales or the money yet, and maybe do that right. for six months to a year and see what happens. Uh, that's what I would encourage uh, somebody to do because then your your focus isn't split. It isn't divided. Um, so next question I wanted to ask you, Londis, and thanks for sharing, you know, about your growing up in, in Detroit. Um, what prompted you to submit Baby's Daddy to, to publishers? 
first of all, the first question: How how were you when you started writing? And then what prompted you? Wow! I was about six. I was about six when I first started writing. One of my uh, girlfriends uh, died in a fire, and I you know I just didn't like that ending. Of course, so I wrote a story about a little girl who. Uh, who actually saved her family from a fire. And my mom, you know, of course, thought it was really good. So all through, all through growing up, you know, I kept diaries. I kept journals. I um, went to Michigan State uh, on a, with a, I got a scholarship for creative writing. Um, and I just continued to write. I sent in uh, a few things to – Romance was my first love, so I sent in a few things to Tyler Quinn. You know, I got back some rejections. Uh, you know, then I you know, I got married. I had a family. So I kind of, you know, put the, the publishing portion on the back burner. But I just kept writing and kept writing stories, kept uh, honing my craft. I, took, I went to my Eastern Community College and took writing classes I, uh, you know, creative writing classes, and I just kept it up and kept it up and kept it up, and I actually stumbled into writing young adult because that's, you know, I was raising children, I was raising teenagers, I was around a lot of teenagers, I was coaching track, I was doing a lot of teen, and teens just, they're just so fascinating and just so incredibly hopeful, um, but a, a lot of times they're also in crisis, and so I thought, wow, this this story right here is, is this is, it happens to everybody. You know, at some point in time, you will stumble over something that's going to be a life-changing experience, and it's how you deal with it. How, how are you going to get through this, you know? And and so that that's kind of how I, I, I stumbled into young adult writing. So, yeah, I kind oh, of did okay. stumble into this. <laughs> uh, so, 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 baby's daddy, you've been, you've been started writing when you were six. You, you, yeah. you. You hadn't, I guess, submitted any other work to a book publisher yet. What I actually did, what happened? I submitted a story to uh, I submitted a story to uh, Chicken Soup for the African American Soul, and they accepted it. And one, and that it was that 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 book. Uh, it was an anthology, of course, but that book sold the most of every Chicken Soup book. So, uh, wow. I wet for publishing, yeah. So I've had a couple. I I won a couple contests. Um, things like that, but you know, submitting an, a, an entire book and getting it accepted. This is the first time that that has happened, so it, it was awesome. Yeah, I I love your uh, your go go out and get it and do it at attitude. Can you tell us for you um, what did you learn about how how did you excuse me how did you learn about Brown Girl books? I didn't even hear of them until I was researching for your your interview today. How did you learn about them for our listeners who might be thinking, how do I how do I have an experience similar to Londis's? How did you learn about Brown Girl Books? And what was the process of submitting your novel to Brown Girl Books like? Well, I I've always read uh, Victoria Christopher Murray, uh, Jacqueline Thomas, and uh time to take Billingsley's books. I I have pretty much all their books. And anytime they come to town, because I'm such a voracious reader, anytime we get an author that I like or have read, I will go and see them just to support because I think that's really really important for artists to do to support each other. And um, so I, one of my girlfriends who is in the writers group with me, she says, "Look, uh, this." Uh, Brown Girls is coming up with a, uh, a, 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 you know, I know you like Victoria Christopher Murray. I know you like Jacqueline Thomas. I know you like Rashonda Tate Billingsley. They're coming up with a company, so you should submit your stuff because they were seeking, they were seeking submissions and uh, sent it in to Jacqueline Thomas, um, who has since left the company, but she was really, really supportive. And then uh, Rashonda and Victoria have been incredibly supportive. And I said, yes, we would like your book to be like a flagship of the, of our young adult uh, section. Oh. Because, uh, and so uh, it has been really awesome. It has been so awesome that they uh, would allow that. And uh, there's a second book uh, in the series it's coming out. It's called uh, Butterfly Rising, and that's going to come out sometime later on this year. I'm not sure exactly when. And, uh, it, you know, it's a continuation of another character in the story. So, you know... I, it, and so I submitted it, uh, and they called me, you know, around in a bookstore, actually looking for some more books. Wow. And, uh, so I sat in the bookstore and cried <laughs> after I got off the Oh, my so goodness. I did, because it was, it was just really, really exciting. And, 
and that's been the process. It, and so uh, they they actually had me submit some more chapters. There was one character in the book who, um, Sasha, who was basically meant to be the villain, but she didn't turn out okay. to be really that, that villainous, I guess. And they were like, no, we want to know more about her life. So I actually had to write some more chapters about her. Um, and they added them to the book, and they they worked with me, and it, it, it it's out there. Oh my so, God! Congratulations! Yeah. What what okay. a your 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 you know what? I'm glad you shared how you your process of getting babies, uh, daddy's baby, to uh, Brown Girl Books or whatever whoever publisher because you've also published with Chicken Soup for the Soul, as you said. Right. For our, our, the authors who are listening, there's more than one way to get what you want. So hopefully right. you you you'll pay attention to what happened to Londis. If that may be your path, and you may have a different path, but you don't have to yeah, always. I've, some self, people, I've self-published. I had one book called um, Correct Madness, which is a, a fictionalized version of when I worked in the Department of Corrections in the prison system, and so I self-published too. So I just I have done all. I've, just I've dabbled in all the venues to see what would be the best fit for me. So that's a, that's another thing to share with our listeners. Don't get stuck on it has to happen a certain way. Just stay open if you really want it to happen. To however, it does happen. Yes. How how tell us, Londis, How did your writing career really go forward after your short story Rusty Feet was published in Chicken Soup? For the African American soul, did you get? Did you hear from people, whether in the media, did other readers start to reach out to you? Did you hear from editors or publishers after that story was published in Chicken Soup for the African American Soul? Uh, I I did hear from a few, um, but you know because it was an anthology and there were so many other authors in that book, um, I you know I, I guess. I, I did hear from a few, but I was probably not in a place where I could uh, reach out and do the legwork that you have to do to become a famous writer, you know. Uh, one of my mentors is uh, Beverly Jenkins, who is, you know, a huge, huge, huge uh, historical uh, black romance book writer. And she said, okay, get your stuff out there. Talk to people. Talk to people. But, of course, uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, reserved with people, and I just wanted to write, and so I didn't do that for a long time. So now I'm learning to get in touch with people and ask them to read my stuff and tell them I will read their stuff and, and really getting out there because you have to talk to people. People have to know who you are. There are millions of writers out there. There's millions of stories that are being told. So you have to be uh, able to uh, articulate for yourself and tell people, look, this is my story, and it's really important that I tell this story and why it's really important that this story be told. And a lot of times if you come in contact with the right person, it will happen. Ah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Tell us, Londa, Londa uh, tell us about the inspiration behind Daddy's Baby. What inspired you to actually sit down and write the book? Well, I... I, I was reading some young adult things, and I said young adult. I had uh, teenagers and some young adults that I, like I said, I coached and I had my own. And uh, I came up with a young lady who gets pregnant in high school or college, and how fraught her life is. And it, and I, I, I have a young man in my classes who said, you know, Miss Lane, when uh, I found out my girlfriend was pregnant, you know, I sat down, I cried like a baby, and then Aww. I had to. I had to man up. And, you know, you just don't see that story out there, you, especially for young black men. You know, they, they're so demonized in the media and things like that. You don't see that there's a whole bunch of young men out there who do step up, who want to be fathers to their children, who want to become the man they should be. And I wanted to tell their story. Even the cover where, it's, you know, it's a, a, a young man with a baby, a young black man with a baby, you don't see that. You see lots of covers with young black men with guns or drugs or things like that, but you just don't see the cover out there with a young black man who who is holding a baby that he loves. And I wanted to tell that story because I don't think that, I don't think that most young men of whatever race want to abandon their children. I think they aren't taught how to take care of children. I think they aren't taught how to step up. And I just wanted that to be the story. You know, wow. there's added drama, but I, I just wanted to tell a positive story about young men. And I'm sure they appreciate it. I'm sure you've you've heard from readers. Can you give us 
a brief synopsis without giving the story away. Give us a brief synopsis of Daddy's Baby. Yes, uh, Damon Hamilton is a senior in high school. He's been kind of bullied, so he changed high school. So it's a new day for him. He comes into a school where uh, it's, it's, a, it's a magnet school, which is a school that, you know, pulls from all over the city. And he meets a new love interest, Brielle. And, you know, his senior year is going to be a, a, a start. He's very, very smart. Um, you know, he starts to talk to his teachers. He starts to uh, say, you know, look, I really want to go to college. I want to become this person. And about halfway through high, this high school senior year, his ex-girlfriend comes to him and tells him that she is pregnant. And he has to deal with the circumstances. What is he going to do with his new love? What is How is he going to respond to his ex-girlfriend? What happens when the baby comes? So this is, and, and so this is the story. Wow. You know what What the thing is? I think even as adults, because I think I catch myself doing this as well, we we do a little magical thinking. We th- we think if we do, we can eat all the pizza and snacks we want and we won't get fat. And right. we think <laughs> we can keep having sex, no protection, and we won't get pregnant or STD. I think so much of our life is not so much of it. We have to be really cautious not to catch ourselves doing magical thinking. Like we can just pull a rabbit out of the hat. No, if you're having sex unprotected, no birth control, there's a strong likelihood somebody is going to get pregnant. It is not right, magical. But, it's just, it's, but even adults, so people even are always adults, shocked when it happens. They're always shocked. Like, oh my God, did that happen? <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh my gosh! Even adults do that. They're like, "Oh my gosh, somebody really is going to wear these little baby clothes," you know. So, so but teenagers, of course, they don't have the. They're not mature, and so they don't have the equipment to to make mature decisions. But people expect them to all of a sudden, because they've engaged in this adult behavior, they expect them to just magically behave in an adult manner, and that's just not. It's it's just not realistic to expect a 17-year-old to behave like a 30-year-old they, because they're not 30, yes. you know. But That's true. The same That's true. They are engaging, they're engaging in adult behavior, and when you engage in adult behavior, you have to pay adult consequences. And yeah. that is the story. And that, But it's, it's such a universal story. It happens all the time. Um, but yes, many, many, unfortunately. Many, 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 many young men try to step up. They do. And I wanted to write that yes. story. You, you know, and and I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Can you give us insight into Damon Hamilton, though? You said he was bullied. But tell us, what are his parents like? Does he have siblings? Is, what's his personality like? Is he outgoing? Is he a party guy? What 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 is his personality like, and what's his family background? Well, Damon is kind of a nerd who has blossomed or detonated into this kind of heartthrob. You know, he's gone from 16 to 17, and he's all of a sudden just cute now, and the girls love him. And because he's a nerd, he doesn't really have any game. He's not really sure how to respond. And the first young lady who comes across his path, who is, uh, you know, who is somewhat aggressive, he's, he goes along the program. He's like, oh, okay, we're going to do this. You know, and, and he likes it, and then he decides, well, maybe I, I don't like it quite as much as I thought I did, so let me, you know, move on. And then he gets he gets attacked, and so he he doesn't. One of my friends says he's kind of a punk, and I'm like, well, yeah, because sometimes guys can be, you know, they can be a kind of a punk. But part of the story is a coming of age story where he learns to become the young man that he should be. You know, he can't, you know, and he isn't this. He's he's uh, four siblings, and he is the youngest son. He has three older brothers and a, a younger sister. So his older brothers have been the macho guys, you know, the guys who play football. Oh, okay. He's not really the macho guy. He's, he has asthma, so he's not. he hasn't really been the macho guy. He's you know, He's been lifting weights and things like that, so he's kind of worked himself into a really decent body, and he's gotten tall and just become this, this, this good-looking fella, you know. But he's just not inside. He's not the macho guy. And so he has to learn how to become who he needs to be within his own skin. Oh, and okay. And I, I, I story too. You know, I wanted to write the story where what happens when all of a sudden you're good looking and people like you, but you don't feel good looking inside, you know? Ah. So he's stepping in. All right. So we see he's kind of, he's young and he's trying to find his way and he's he's going through some maybe personality changes. He's starting to try to work on his confidence 
and, right. and, and, and feel differently about it. So, and he's going into a whole new environment. He's going into college. Right. So now introduce right. us to Miss Sasha Anderson. What motivates her? What's driving her? What's she like? Sasha is uh, a beautiful young lady. She's smart, uh, and but she is uh, wounded. And she has a really, really complicated relationship with her mother, oh, and man. a complicated relationship with and, and the boy. And she has a, a boyfriend uh, before Damon, who is the person who attacked Damon. So basically, it's sort of a one of those ugly type of situations. <laughs> and uh, and she is she's a little older. She's a year older, so she uh, is basically the aggressor in the relationship, which does happen sometimes. So she becomes the, I, I, you know, as 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 the older person, she becomes sort of this femme fatale, uh, which is not really what she is. She's just a young lady who makes some poor decisions and now has to deal with the poor decisions, and, and so she doesn't she's... have a lot of doesn't have a lot of family support. Uh, is she an only child? She is an only child. And so she she. Um... She has a complicated relationship with her mother. She's the only child, so that whatever's going on between her, her and her mother is. Her father's not really in her life. Oh wow! So say no more. They say if you got a if if you have a parent who has issues and you have siblings, they say psychologically the damage isn't as deep. It isn't as bad. But if it's just you and that one parent, whoo, you have nothing really to compare it to. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's that much worse. So I can. I see that. So she meets, but tell me this about Sasha. Damon's trying to come into his own. Does, does she com- uh, compensate for whatever this wound by by being this really in your face? You know, how some people seem real tough or like they want to control everything. That's how they compensate for what's really going on. Is she like that or is she quiet? For her, because she is very beautiful, and a lot of young ladies deal with this issue. When they when people think that they are beautiful, that's all the people think that there is to them. And so that's what she uses to get through her life because it works for her. But at some point, you know, you can't just stand on beauty. You have to. I mean, she's a smart, like she's a smart girl, but she just doesn't. She, she she she's sort of seeking, you know. I'm seeking. I'm desperately seeking love. Uh, Even though she doesn't feel like she is desperately seeking love, but she she's seeking love. And um, part of her her uh, seeking Damon is a nice young man. He's not a dog. He's not. So she kind of seeks him because she has been in a relationship with somebody who is and has not treated her well. And so Damon has has basically treated her well. But then when he stops seeing her, then it becomes. Okay, why? Yeah, why? Uh, yeah, I can see, I can see. So they, Damon, he's he leaves Lansing, Michigan, and he can't get out of Lansing quick enough. Is Sasha also from Lansing, and where where did they go to college? The story actually takes place in Lansing, and so then they're actually in high school. They're in the last year. She has graduated, but he is in high school. So she has been planning to go to school, things like that, but she doesn't make it to quite make it to college because she finds out she's pregnant. She's supposed to start. Oh, but but she but he doesn't know that she's pregnant because she they haven't talked to each other. They've just kind of dismissed. He's dismissed her from his life. Go away. I don't like you anymore. Oh my god. She feels like you know. She feels like you know you you used me. And he's like, no, you came onto me, and I was okay with it, and now it's over. And so you, oh my god. So the story starts after they have broken up. You know, you don't really see a lot of the of you don't see a lot of their prior relationship. All you see is when she comes back into his life, she tells him that she is pregnant. Wow. And I know uh, his parents flipped and her mother. Uh, <laughs> I can I can only imagine what what happens with her mother when her mother finds out. So Sasha's attracted to Damon because he's, he's this nice guy. She's just come out of a relationship with a guy who didn't treat her right. And she's in Damon, she sees something what of a savior. Somebody who can yeah. finally love her, maybe the way her mother has, and then her father walked off. What attracted yeah. Damon to Sasha? Was it her confidence or just all her looks? Why did they hook up? Because she's beautiful, and because she talks to him, 
And because he doesn't have a lot of game, this is a beautiful girl who is very popular in school who actually talked to him, and he's all about that, you know. And he doesn't he doesn't have the you know most guys at least most high school young men they're not going to refuse if somebody offers them something, even if you tell them you know don't do that, you know they're they're not going to refuse because she comes on to him that strongly. Yeah, she She comes on to him that strongly. She is well, you don't see that because that's not where the story starts. The story starts with him in the new school and, and, and having a new life. So bad that, you know, I'm taking advantage. Basically, he, he comes to the conclusion that if I don't like this girl like she likes me, then I'm taking advantage of her, so I'm going to leave her alone. He's not a dog. He, you know, he, he has some discernment, and so he decides to leave her alone, and he does. And, but it, then she comes back into his life later to tell him that, you know, look, we have some, we have some unfinished business. Okay, okay. Now, without giving the story away, Londis, tell us, please tell us why is a gang after Damon? Now, you and you know, you already told us that Sasha's former boyfriend he threatens he the threatens gang Damon. He's the gang. Oh. Mhm. Okay. And we do in and we do in Lansing, Michigan. Surprisingly, have a few gangs. Yeah. <laughs> because Lansing, yeah, but so, so we do. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, there aren't too many cities. Mm-hmm. There aren't too many there, cities anymore that that don't don't have no. a gang. So how, when you say a gang, I'm thinking like Crips, Bloods. Is this a serious gang that could do a lot of harm, or is this some little petty gang that you can Where, just like oh, it's not, shrug off? It's not on the on the on the level of the Crips and the Bloods and you know like Los Angeles or 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 Detroit or New York or Chicago or something like that. But this, you know, gang, young men and especially gang members, you know, who don't have a lot of parental uh, support or who don't have a lot of parental watching over, they they you know there's a lot of drugs that run through every city. There's a lot of alcohol in the teen communities. There's a lot of crisis going on, and sometimes they manage the crisis by getting together in a gang because there's strength in numbers, and that's what they do. So it would be a sort of a petty gang, I guess, compared to uh, the murdering, uh, drug dealing. They do these things, of course, but I think a part of what it is here is that they're, they're in this gang for strength, their strength in numbers. And oh, they okay. are, you know, it's, so it's not the... I didn't like I, said, I didn't write about the what I, what do I want to call this. I didn't write a, these are middle class youth basically. They're not you know poor the poor struggling in the street kind of youth. These are these are youth who actually live in homes who have you know most of them have parents who watch over them. They just they you know the dark side or I don't want to even call it the dark side but the ugly side of life often attracts young people. It's, yeah. it's a rebellion thing. It's it's attractive to them, and so that even it doesn't. I mean, it's attractive to to everybody. That I should just say, young people, because we wouldn't have a heroin epidemic if right. if, if, the, if if the ugly side of life was not attractive. And so, you know, people, you know, that's what they do. They they think it's not going to draw me in. It's not going to be a part of what I am. But they get into it, and then they're in it, and they either stay because they like it, or they try to get out, and they feel like they got caught up in something because wow, they, yes. you know, they, they involved themselves with the wrong people, you know, or made some and, and again, like gotta, what we were saying earlier, the magical thinking, you think you can do something and what the bad thing that happened to somebody else isn't going to happen to you. That's one of the easiest right. ways to get caught up in, in the, in the wrong thing that you're just not going to yeah. have the same outcome. You're not going to have to deal with the repercussions. Oh my goodness. Right. Oh my goodness. Hey, how do you you shake some people and tell them, listen, listen. Um, I wanted to ask you next, how old, I mean, how old, how far along is Sasha in her pregnancy when she tells Damon that she's pregnant? And don't give the story away, but are they able to maintain, do they, I almost don't want to ask you if they get back together, but. <laughs> how how far along? It, how far along is she? Some some oh, people they find out he he doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who. Well, let me ask you two questions because I really wanted to ask you if they were able to maintain their relationship. But how far along is she after the baby is born, and does he accept that it's his? Yes, he does. 
Mm-hmm. And he and he tries to step up. Yep. And uh, she's about five months along when she tells him five or six months. Because okay. because she is, you know, she she is like so she has a very complicated relationship with her with her mother, and so she uh, gets, basically gets put out. So she's not even in Lansing for a good portion oh. of of her. So she comes back, you know, to Lansing to to try to. Um, because she can't really, you know, make make it work on her own, and so she comes back to Lansing to try to uh, to try to find a way to make things work. And wow, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, my heart's going out to Miss Sasha. Uh, can you introduce <laughs> us to some of the minor characters in Daddy's Baby? And please let her describe Sasha's mom. What, what's what is her mother like? Her mother is a very well educated, very Christian lady who is, you oh. know, very like me, who, who, like many of our mothers, is very has very strong morals, wants things to be a certain way, and you know, oftentimes, especially, you know, I, I grew up with a mom who was like, "Here's my way or the highway." So this is the kind of mother that she is. She's, you know, very intense about doing things the way you are supposed to do them. And so, when and Sasha has basically gone along with the program for the most part. Until this, and now all of a sudden she's like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to keep this baby, and that just causes ruckus because the mother, wow. like, oh, you know, at that point, you know, I think even really, uh, what I want to call it, really Christian, really uh, moralistic parents, they don't want that for their 18 year old, and so that's that, that in and of itself is a struggle. What decision do you make? You know, so I try to write it as realistically as possible. Yeah, and her mother puts her out, and she's a Christian, and she knows her daughter doesn't have any place to go. Well, oh my God! They, they basically have a, a fight, and she just doesn't get out. But she doesn't say be gone forever. But you know, young people are really dramatic. They are given to dramatics, and they she leaves, and she. She leaves, and so you know. It, and it, but the thing is that you know, as a if the mother is uh, supportive and says, you know, babe, this, you know, we'll work it out and things like that. If, if that's how it happens, then the story doesn't have drama. There's no really dramatic how? arc there, and, and it happens all the time. Even we, even with people, you know what? Christians, like everybody else, are God's people, and God's people are complicated. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's that. That is so true. How long is Sasha on her own? Before she comes back, uh, about wow! Oh my God, she's well, this girl's got some. She's got some confidence and some courage. She's pregnant. She's on her own. All right, she's, see, she's, you, she's, you, you immediately went to Sasha as the, the sympathetic character, which is hilarious because she wasn't who I meant to be sympathetic in the book, but she becomes this really sympathetic character. Oh, okay. What what age group is Daddy's Baby written for? It is written for young adults, so that ranges from about 13 to about 21. Um, and because usually readers will read up, uh, you know, the, the, the students are 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, and so, you know, and they're, and they're going, you know, planning to go to college, things like that. So I would say, you know, uh, high school age would probably be uh, the best, you know, ninth grade to about uh, senior year just because, um, that's the age of the students here, and, and these are the things they're going through. Um, for younger readers, you know, I tried to, to make it as realistic as possible, but there's it's not like there's no heavy sexual content, things like that, because, I mean, know that they've had sex because there's a baby, but I, did, I didn't right. think that that was that, that was that important because you don't have to see the scene to understand that this has consequences. And I think that, you know, young people are so sexualized through the media anyway right. uh, that they don't know. You know they know they they know the mechanics. They, they know they know what's happening. <laughs> right. They, 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 you don't have to spell it out for them. They really do know what's going on, and they oftentimes information, but they have a lot of information. It is available to them, to, the, to them at their fingertips. So I didn't think I had to you know necessarily make that a point. Just just that you know yeah this has happened, and now it's, it's you know you got to deal with what's happened. Okay, so more like a high school early early college age group. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at, at the beginning you talked about why you decided to write books for young adults. I know there are there are young adult books out here. Uh, do you plan to continue to write uh, for young adults 
and yes. why why this specific uh, age group is because, like you said, you worked with them because you had children yes. because you you think there's a gap in the literature uh, that that's available currently to the, to this market. I do, and I think that a lot of the things that are marketed to young people, I, there's a lot of dystopia out there, you know, um, the end of the world, Armageddon. I mean, and, and young people are often in crisis. You know, they they have, you know, high suicide rates. They have, uh, you know, teen pregnancy. They are dealing with some serious, serious issues at very young ages, and a lot of times they don't have a lot of parental direction. Uh, for whatever reason, we have a lot of parental drug users. We have a lot of parental alcoholics or people who just abdicate their responsibilities. And not, I mean, I'm talking, this is across the board, not not just not in the black community specifically, but across the board. I see it every day because I teach at a junior college, which, you know, a lot of times the students come in, they're coming in with a baby. And it's boys, girls, it doesn't matter. And they are, their stories are just poignant. When I hear some of the stories that my young, they've been in contact with uh, drugs, they've been in reha- rehabilitation, they have been in prison. You know, coming at 21, you've already been in prison. You know, so, and this is, like I said, this is across the board. It's not, it's not particular to black youth or white youth or Indian or Muslim or Christian. It is across the board. And they are in crisis, and they really don't know where to go or what to say to people. And the stories out there, if they're not fantasy, like say something like Harry Potter, or if they're not some dystopia, like like I said, Armageddon, it's the end of the world, some fantasy, they don't get a lot of, you know, look, this is life, and life itself is beautiful and interesting and incredible in the story. They are, they're not told to read. They're not, you know, they're still reading uh, what was written in 1951, and it's not really that relevant to them. You know, they, they read... Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, which is a wonderful story, but how relevant is that to their life today? You know, I don't so know you, that it's that relevant. Go ahead. It, 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 so you're filling a gap, and more of a, a, a realistic, you want to take more of a realistic, you know, because a lot of literature is escapism. I know Harry Potter, not only escapism, but uh, uh, one reason thing that I heard that a lot of young people like it is uh, young people have power in Harry Potter, not yes. the adults with all the power telling the kids. Yes. The kids, though, the, they're power. the ones with the power, and ultimately they they help save themselves and others yes. rather than it always being a kids looking up to adults, which is where a lot of problems come from because as parents we haven't worked through all of our issues as adults, and then we right. hand them down a lot of them to our kids, but these kids in Harry Potter, they got the goods. So uh, that's why I'm told a lot of you. Teenagers think that they have the goods. I've never come across a teenager who did. Even when I was a teenager, I thought I knew everything. You know, just when I thought I knew some stuff, and then when I turned 21, I thought I knew everything. And then I turned 25, I thought I knew everything. But the, the, the amount of time or the amount that I learned between, let's say, 15 and 21, it was incredible. You know, and, and yeah. but teenagers don't believe that their parents know anything. They they hate them. They don't want to be around them. They even if they love them, they still they're trying to become the person they need to be. And sometimes they step into some holes before they become. They make some dumb decisions because adults make dumb decisions. And I don't think right. many people tell them that you know, part of life is is making these decisions, but trying to avoid the ones that are going to cost you the rest of your life. You know. Mm. Try, try to make what? you know make make your dumb decisions uh, something that's not gonna harm you. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. What do you hope that readers will gain from reading Daddy's Baby? What what lesson, if it was a single lesson, would you like to see them walk away from when they put the book down? I want them to see that, uh, like I said, they. Took, Young people have a lot of dystopia in their life. They don't see a lot of utopia, but I wanted them to see that real life can be a positive experience. You know, a baby is always a blessing. The circumstances may not be a blessing, but you have to work through them. You have to have hope. I want them to have hope when they finish reading this book. I want them to say, okay, yeah, all this went down, but I still have hope. Still going to go to college. She's still going to go to college. Uh the baby is going to be taken care of. Life is going to be okay because they're going to work to the point where it's going to be okay. Oh, that is a great message. 
What a wonderful message in Daddy's Baby. And then also the fact that you show a young man, a young black man, actually taking care of his child instead of the same message we keep hearing over and over and over. And, and so many of us know young men who have stepped up. So we know that that's not, we know too many who do do step up. So I thank you and appreciate that you, you've shared that. Now, Londis, what is your what is your writing process? How do you develop a story? You said you started writing when you were about six years old. Do you see mm-hmm. stories playing out like movies in your head? Do you go use outlines, character sketches? How do you get the story from concept to the page? I oftentimes see my stories in my head. I'll see a scene in my head. They come to me in scenes. And sometimes a whole story will come to me, and I'll just sit down and I will write it, and I will be writing for I'll get up in the middle of the night and write. I, write, I, have, I, have, I have scribbled on like 55 little notebooks that, some thought will come to me, and I'll just write it down, and then I will expand it. Sometimes it will just be something really. Uh, I'll see a flower, and it'll be an odd color, and I'll be like, "Wow, you know, that's a really pretty color. How can I incorporate that in the story? Or how can I um, use uh, my surroundings?" <laughs> or sometimes I'll see a person. I'm a huge people watcher, and I'll see a person do something, and I'll and I'll think to myself, "There's a story behind why they did that. You know, they threw that." They threw that paper on the ground. Why did they throw that paper on the ground? You know, what was going through their minds? They felt that they couldn't just take the paper to the garbage can and put it in the garbage can. So everything <laughs> for me is, you know what I mean? <laughs> everything, uh, every, everything is there. You know, and in fact, I have had to ask, oh, my God, um, you said so-and-so and so-and-so to me. And can I use that in my story? And they're like, Mom, really? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, won't, I won't make it about you, but you just, I guess that would just fine with said, you know. And sometimes I'll you know, say something really profound, and I'll just take it and steal it, you know. And I'll be like, okay, I'm feeling what you just said, because that, that was awesome. So okay, I just, okay. I just, I just, what you call a pantser, I just I write. I just start writing and write and write and write and write. And I'll, sometimes I'll be like, this is a really great story. And then I go to my writer's group, and they'll be like, no, you know. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so you're part of a writers group. Okay. So you vet you vet your ideas and your stories with the group. Yes. Yes, I do. So that's and, one and way. That's so that's important for writers to do is to have a community of people who love them enough to tell them, okay, this is not working. You know, ah. or this is working. You know, because you have to do that with your readers. If your readers, I've had you know readers contact like on Twitter and say, I loved your story, but why did you do this? You know, and I answer them back. I said, well, you know, uh, hon, uh, this is the story, and um, this is how this character behaves. And I know you don't like the fact that this character behaves like this, but people are complicated, and they do complicated stuff. <laughs> you know, as a, as, a, as a writer, it's interesting when you said that. I think when I, you hear from readers, some readers, I've, I, was, I have been shocked at how much some readers will hate a character, and I'm. They will say yeah. to me, "You pun- you didn't punish her enough." And yeah. it, it, I tell you, as a writer, it's it, it shocked me because I thought this is how this person feels about life and the world. Yeah. Like you didn't, they didn't suffer, they didn't suffer enough. And I'm like, whoa! I just it. We we want we do want things to turn out a certain way, and you hear it as right. an author when you get feedback from readers. And some people really think. Some people deserve to really, really suffer, and I, I'm, right. I, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't see it that way. But I've had people say things to me about some characters that blew me away. Uh, are you, are you working on any new books, Londis? And yep. if, if so, can you give us a glimpse into what you're working on? And will, and will there be a sequel? Before you answer that, will there be a sequel yes. to Daddy's Baby? Yes, yeah, yeah. the second book that's going to be coming out with Brown Girl Books is called Butterfly Rising, and it is actually Sasha's story. So it is a sequel, ah. but it's a standalone also. And then there's a third one, uh, which is called uh, Redemption Games, and it's a third book, which is about another character in the stories. So, yeah, there, it's, and, and it's, it's her story and why she, uh, why she does the things that she does, because she is, she is sort of the antagonist in the first book, and you you and, and I, people are like, why does she do? Why does she do these things? You know why? And why is she? You know what? Are, why? Why is she behaving in the way that she behaves? And so I just try to come to get inside her head and make her become 
she she's grown some and she has this baby and now she's taking care of this baby and how she gets through her life. Because again, a lot of young women have to live that life, and so. Um, but I, I wanted to show that yes, there is something beyond the, you know, it, there is something beyond happily ever after. You have to continue to live life beyond happily ever after. Ah, even now, when, now, even when life uh, takes a turn that you didn't expect it to take. Do you present her mother as this uh, a loving, honorable Christian? Faithful woman is her mother. Does she get much? Does she get much? Is she in the book that much, or is she, she does, just yeah, little... yeah, she comes back home. She does come back home, and her mother. In fact, people said I couldn't stand her mother, and I'm like, you know, there there had to be a reason for her to have problems, and part of the reason that she has these problems is is that she has this mother who has a very strict view of life. And many of us as parents, we forget that we were teenagers at some point, you know, and that we did some dumb stuff. And so I think parents, we often get to the point where we're like, I cannot believe that stupid child. Why would that? And and I and I'm not going to allow that to happen because you have to, from the mother's perspective, this young lady has kind of destroyed all of the dreams that the mother has had for her in that moment. Oh, okay. And so she reacts with anger, which is a legitimate a legitimate feeling, um, you know, and oftentimes parents are not any more mature than their children in their reactions to things that catch them off guard because she doesn't see it coming. Because this girl, like I said, she's smart. She's graduating from high school. She, she she's just she's just she's on her way to college. This girl, you know, she's beautiful. She has her whole life ahead of her, and now this. Mm. Wow, you have put a different perspective on that, and maybe some parent who's dealing with that. You might have given them uh, uh, some insight. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of Daddy's Baby? They can get up from Amazon.com or BarnesandNobles.com, from Brown Girl Books, from Kubo. Um, and I would say if you um, if you hit me up on Twitter and you get a copy of the book and you want me to sign it, you send it to me. I will sign it and send it back. Okay. Yes. Is it in print, an yes. e-book, audio book? What, what format? It's, is, in, it's, it's yeah. on Kindle. It's also in print. Yep, so you can get it on okay. Kindle. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, okay. so it's e-book and it's also in print, yeah. Now, do you have any upcoming Absolutely. speaking engagements? Can you share some of your upcoming uh, book signings or interviews that you have coming up? Well, in July, I am supposed to be in uh, Chicago at A Taste of Chicago, which is an outdoor festival. I think it's July. Oh, God. You know you would ask me that question. Of course they don't have it. No, but it's July. So, yeah, I will check with that, and and I will post that. Uh, And and hit me up on Facebook. You know, I always post things on Facebook. And so right now my summer is, is kind of full. So, um, but th- that's that's what I will be doing in July, and then uh, I will be setting up some new things. So just look for me on my on my website, and uh, I will. It's like I said, it's under construction, so I'll be posting things there on a regular basis. Okay, so you're on Facebook. Where else are you on social media, and how can people find you? Uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Instagram, and uh, so far that's all. You know, I'm old, so my students are teaching me how to use the the social media. You ain't hardly (laughs) old. Don't even anybody go on to your website or see. She just told a story. I'm looking at one picture of you on the on the uh, for this show. You look like you couldn't be a day older than thirty. So no, No. she's not old to our listeners. She just told a story. But she, all right, so, well, yeah, you know, I, you can't do all the social medias. They are like, every time I turn around, there's like ten more. So you have to figure out which ones you're gonna work. Yeah, you can't do them all. You can't do them all. Oh. We are, we have run out of time for to our listeners. We've so enjoyed having this Londa's Lane here this morning. What a what a treasure she is. She's the Thank author you. of the book. She, you're very welcome. She's the author of the book Daddy's Baby. I really encourage you to check her out at her website, and the URL is Londis Lane L A N D I S L A I N dot com. Again, that's L A N D I S L A I N dot com. And again, she's the author of the book Daddy's Baby. She's working on a sequel to the to the novel. 
and she has more works coming out. So if you bookmark her website, LondasLane.com, you can keep up with what she's doing, including her Chicago event, which will be in July. So we want to thank Londis for being here with us, and we want to thank you, our awesome off-the-shelf listeners, uh, whether you're a first-time listener, you've been listening for a while, or you've been with us for almost 13 years from the very beginning. So thank you, and I encourage you to go out and have a fabulous, fabulous day. Remember, you're awesome. You are incredible. You're absolutely amazing, and I hope one day you really grab that and believe it fully. Londis, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Thank you. Love you. Bye-bye.